Blog Talk Radio. Gather around, make yourself a little drink, sit down as a family, and enjoy part two of our, I guess it's a series now, our, our storyteller series, or storytelling, they call it storytelling, I don't remember what I titled the show, but it's a story time series, because um, we wanted to tell stories on, um, you know, people we've met in the industry, our, our experiences, cool stories, and uh, we didn't realize we had so many stories that we needed to do part two, so gather around. Enjoy our stories, and if you have some stories to tell, maybe you're in the airport and you, you bumped into Kane at the luggage carousel. Uh, maybe you were in the bathroom one day, and lo and behold, the heartbreak kid needed to use the stall. Who knows? We would like to hear from you, so if you have some interesting stories, or even just at a signing, give us a call. 347-838-9815 is the number to call. We want to hear your stories, your experiences in meeting some professional wrestlers, some wrestling legends, so give us a call. We're going to have a lot of fun tonight. We had a lot of fun last week, and we're going to have a good time tonight. You can check us out on Facebook. Our Facebook page is facebook.com slash The Ken Reedy Show. Again, facebook.com slash The Ken Reedy Show. We throw up a raw chat on Mondays on, on our page. We also, right now, if you maybe you can't call in, but you got a cool story you want to tell us, uh, we got a show chat right now on the Facebook page, so head on over there. Maybe uh, tell us one of your stories, and uh, if we deem it entertaining enough, we uh, maybe we'll read it on the air. So you got some cool stories? Go to the Facebook page, post it on our show chat. Check us out on Twitter. Our Twitter handle is at the Ken Reedy Show. Tweeting is your thing, and you also check out our website, thekenreedyshow.com. Lots of stuff over there. It's really cool, and it's got a listener. So if you're listening to us pre-recorded right now and you want to know how to listen to us live, go over to the website, thekennedyshow.com. There's a player on there. Click on that. It's a link to Blog Talk, and you can listen to the show there. And as I just mentioned, if you listen to us pre-recorded, you listen to us on the great network, B-plus players, the brainchild of the Dr. Frankenstein of the podcasting world, Mark Adam Haggerty, B-plus players. Check us out over there. Check out all the other great podcasts um, over on that network as well. Lots of cool stuff over there. So check us out on 
the B Plus Players Network, and we are going to get into it because we got a lot of cool stories, and we are, you know, this this is one of those those shows that um, I know sometimes it doesn't seem like it, but uh, we usually do have an outline and, and a format and, and the direction we want to go in and what have you. Um, this show is kind of really free flowing, so this really is going to be just story time theater. You know, we're gonna we're gonna tell you uh our experiences in meeting wrestling legends throughout the years. And uh, it's just, I'm, I'm enjoying this. This is a good time. So let's get into it. Couldn't do any of this without my tag team partners on the line from sunny Connecticut. Dave, how are you doing this evening? Sunny and balmy, muggy. It's like Indian summer. We're almost at fall. And it's like, I'm exp- I see leaves falling, but it's supposed to sweat dripping off my brow. Um, but other than that, I am looking forward to once again, story time part two, because like you said, we couldn't get all the stories out in one show. We had to do a part two and I'm, I'm super pumped. Like I was last week. And I I can't tell you how much this weather is like pissing me off. Like we, we have a pool and August in August, it seemed like September and now September feels like August and I'm supposed to be getting ready to close my pool, but I just want to jump in you know the last two days has just been like balmy and, and humid and god where was this weather in august anyway as we get into story time theater we also have our special guest independent wrestling sensation rocky santiago in studio tonight yet again rocky how you doing this evening doing good ken dave always a pleasure to be here in studio for the ken reedy show and uh equally excited for part two of story time so uh, I say we get going, and, and let's let's get into it. I'm trying to figure out like where exactly I want I want to go with like our, our stories. But you know what I thought? You know, just to get it out of the way because I I, I want this show is going to be for the most part positive, um, and, and fun stuff. But I thought like why don't we kick it off and just kind of like do we have any negative stories? Like any any wrestlers that we've met that we just didn't like or didn't hit it off with. I know we touched upon like CM Punk, the, the last show. Um, if you hadn't got a chance to listen to it, go check us out in the archives. Um, but I kind of want to get those stories out of the way. So it, it's a mostly positive show. So I, like, I'll ask you, Rock, do you have any, any stories, any interesting uh, interactions where as, as much as there's been a lot of positivity where that was like the one incident where it was like, man, that just, that, that, that was not a nice guy. Well, yeah, you know, it, it, just like anything, you're going to run into those people that, like you said, perhaps you, you get off on the wrong foot. Perhaps you ran into them on a bad day. Uh, the one story that comes into my mind is, you know, in my in my short uh, independent wrestling career, uh, I've had the the good fortune of training under some of the uh, some of the legends, uh, Tito Santana, Honky Tonk Man. Uh, f- for the most part, very very positive uh, interactions. There was one interaction, however, that, uh, you know, a, a lot of people deem a little harsh. Uh, and I'm going to say, yeah, you know, as a military man, I'm kind of used to the harshness, but this kind of t- uh, took me aback a little bit. Uh, and that person was one Rip Rogers. If you know uh, Rip, Ro- Rip Rogers in the business, the, the man is a, is a living legend within the independent wrestling business. He's trained some of the greats. Uh, the man runs, uh, you know, he still runs in OVW, I believe. And he goes all over. He does training seminars. And uh, this particular seminar was done at IWF. Uh, we're still wrestling for that organization. 
And uh, I'll be the first to admit, when I first got into the independent wrestling world, uh, physically, uh, I was not in the shape I should have been. Uh, I, I know what it is to be in good shape. Six years Marine Corps, used to be a, a big runner, miles a week, what have you. But I had put on, you know, since entering the civilian world, I had put on some weight. Uh, so when I d- did that uh, that seminar with Rip, you know, he took one look at me and, you know, he was just tearing me a new one. He, he was just like, you know, and, and one of the things that got me was like, if you want to, if you want to m- make a big joke, you put the heavyweight title on that guy, that short fat guy. I'm like, holy smokes! <laughs> like, I didn't even, you know, I was just sitting there. I was like, uh, there, and you, you know, people hear that, and you know, the first thing you think is like, wow, that's an asshole. Uh, <laughs> you know, I, I get, I give it to Rip. Uh, you know, again, as a military guy, I'm used to getting it. You know, with both barrels. And he, you know, he was right. I, I was not in the shape I should have been. And since that, since that seminar, I have dropped a significant, a significant amount of weight, you know, 45 pounds. So if I had to say anything to Rip, he's like, Rip, I, I did drop 45 pounds. Did you get any younger? No, I didn't think so, you old fart. But, <laughs> but all, all love and respect to Rip Rogers. He's still great. You know, but that was definitely one interaction. I can think, damn, you know, I'm getting it today. Wow, that's great. That, that's 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 pretty pointed. But yeah, you've lost like forty five pounds though, like since entering the wrestling biz. Yeah, yeah. You know, I, I really got into the wrestling. Uh, you know, into wrestling more. I would say into boxing, uh, which really helped me uh, drop that poundage. But you know, it, it's for me, it's done wonders in the way I move in the ring and my ring cardio. And you know, it, it's been a long time since I've been in this weight. I, I'm I'm still about. 25, 30 pounds away from my old, like, Marine Corps fighting weight. I used to be a solid 170 and just in single-digit body fat at that point. But the funny thing is, for my height, because, you know, for for you folks out there who have never seen me, I am not the tallest guy on the block. Uh, for, like, Marine Corps standards, I'm supposed to be, like, 150 pounds. I've been, I've, I haven't been that way since, like, middle school. Like, no... You have to get your like neck taped and your waist taped and do all that jazz. But you know, yeah, that that was one of the hearing that from Rip was definitely one of the bugs in my ears. Like, yeah, okay, I'm a fat ass. I got to drop some weight. Asshole. <laughs> Asshole. <laughs> How about you, Dave? You have any like negative stories? Yeah, I got two that come to mind. Uh, more recently, uh, Alberto Del Rio. I went to a independent wrestling show. He was headlining and. Uh, it was like right off the heels of when he quit WWE after that uh, incident where he assaulted the, uh, the 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 backstage employee for making a racial comment. And you know, I going back to that story briefly, I was actually I wouldn't say I was proud of him, but I was I had respect for him and the fact that like he cared more about his heritage and being offended than he did about his job to go to the lengths that he did. I'm not saying go and beat somebody up at work, folks, just to let you know. I'm not saying that. <laughs> I am not telling you that if you are offended by someone's racial remarks towards you on the job, that you go kick their ass. Not whatsoever. I'm not saying that at all. But I respect it in the fact that because a lot of wrestlers in today's day and age in wrestling, especially if you work for WWE, you are scared that you're going to lose your job. At least that's been – I've heard numerous stories over the years from that because essentially – you look at them, and they're really the only game in town, the big game in town. Well, Del Rio didn't seem to care about that, and he, he 
beat the crap out of this guy, and he got fired. So when I went to go meet him, first of all, that was the worst $40 I had ever spent. I took a picture with him, and I got an autograph. He didn't even stand up to shake my hand. He was sitting in a chair, and I said to him, I said, hey, listen, I go, I just want you to know that I wanted to meet you to tell you that I respect your stance on what took place in that situation with you and that guy backstage, and I got a load, I got a, a load of respect for you for standing up for what you believe in, um, despite you know losing your job. And he just looked at me and he was like, "Oh, really? You feel that way?" In like a very sarcastic kind of tone, almost like, like I said, similar to CM Punk, like you know, short but sarcastic answers, and didn't really want to be bothered. And the picture I took with him, like I had to bend down to take the picture. The, the asshole didn't even have enough you know courtesy to stand up, wouldn't shake my hand. And he's like, he's like holding up the autograph that he signed in the picture. Um, so that was like, a, that, to me, I, I, I left that table and I had my wife with me at the time. And she was just like, wow, he was a real jerk, wasn't he? I was like, yeah, pretty much. She goes, you bet you, you she goes, you probably wish you got your money back. I was like, I certainly do. But you know what? I'm not going to make an issue over it. And then this was unpleasant, but it was also scary at the same time. Back in 2001, I used to, how I got into the wrestling business was to a couple of friends of mine who knew a promoter in Connecticut that had an independent wrestling company called Assault Championship Wrestling. And Jason Knight, former ECW wrestler, he was the Just Incredibles bodyguard, he ran the promotion. So they did their big one-year anniversary show, and I was on the ring crew. And we had gotten the gig, like I said, through my friend who knew the promoter. They were just looking for guys to set up the ring. You didn't get paid. You got to watch the show for free, and you got to hang out with the boys and do all that other stuff. So it was like a big ECW reunion kind of show. He brought in a lot of the old ECW guys. He brought in Nunzio. I met Nunzio that night. He was super cool. Uh, Balls Mahoney, Axel Rotten, may they both rest in peace. And he brought in um, John Cronus from the Eliminators, who used to tag with Perry Saturn. And John Cronus hadn't wrestled in a while. And John Cronus was completely out of shape. Like, I didn't even recognize who he was until, like, I had to stand up real close to him. He wore a cut-off black T-shirt, black sweatpants, and, and his wrestling boots. And he was probably, like, over 150 pounds overweight. And it was like the boys' club that day when we were setting up the ring. And the, the ECW guys were getting drunk. And it was just a big, hot mess. And the storyline was, was that Jason Knight was coming out of retirement, brought his old ECW friends to take on – a bunch of young guys that were in the organization that were trying to take over. It was like a takeover, hostile takeover kind of storyline. And it was a five-on-five, Meriden, Connecticut street fight. Fans bring the weapons. So, like, it went all over the place. Like, ten wrestlers just in this little Elks Lodge beating the shit out of each other, blood everywhere. So I remember that night when I was working on the ring crew, um, the ring announcer had said to me, he goes, do you want to come work with us over at the announce table and just be our errand boy? Get whatever we need, or you have to go relay a message to the locker room about a finish. But, you know, can you do that? And I was like, yeah, sure, that's great. I was like, that was like the closest thing to me being like on the creative team at that time. And it was, it was so cool. So at one point, the announcer muted his mic, and he had said to me, can you go to the locker room, and can you tell Jason blah, 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 whatever it was something about a finish. So I had to run through the curtain, went to talk to him, and it was him, Bald, Axel, Cronus, and some other guys. And they were going over the, the spots in the match right before they were going to have the match. It was like maybe like a couple minutes before their match. And John Cronus is smoking a cigarette, 
drinking a beer. He turns around, he sees me, he looks over, and he goes, hold this. Gives me the beer, takes a couple puffs off the cigarette, throws it in the thing, and then heads out the curtain. The music hadn't even played yet, okay? That's how bombed this guy was, all right? With all due respect to him, I don't like to speak ill of the dead, but he was wasted that night. So they all came out. The music played late. It did get, a, it kind of got a big pop. They had the match. It was plunder everywhere, blood, the whole nine yards. End of the night rolls around. We're all hauling this stuff out of the ring. And at the time, I had my parents' minivan. It was a, uh, a Ford or Aerostar or something, some old piece of shit minivan. And I had it parked on the side, and I went to the van to go get a pack of cigarettes that I had in the van. So I was going to take a smoke break because it was like 1 in the morning, and we weren't going to be done till like almost daylight by breaking down the ring and driving to the, the place to drop it off and all that shit. So John Cronus, it was, it was dark. There's like no lights on the street. John Cronus with a bandage wrapped around his head with blood still dripping through, dry blood all over his face is like, hey, you, where are you going? It's like, I was going to get cigarettes. He's like, no, like when you go home. I'm like, uh, I'm going home. Like I'm local. He goes, not tonight. I said, why? He goes, I need a ride to Philadelphia. I'm like, that's not going to work. And yeah, I had a big set of balls on me at 18 years old. Okay, like I was, I was like, that's not gonna work. He's like, what do you mean that's not gonna work? I'm gonna go talk to Jason. You work for him, right? I'm like, yeah, sorta, of, but we do the ring. He's like, I'm gonna talk to Jason. So he disappears. I tell my buddies, I'm like, guys, John Cronus just like threatened me with my life that we need to drive him all the way to Philadelphia. And my buddies are like, oh, this is so cool. We'll get to drive with John Cronus from the Eliminators, the old ECW. He'll tell us all these great stories. And in hindsight, maybe I should have driven him to Philadelphia, but I was, like, scared to death because, like I said, he was drunk. He had a dry, bloody ace bandage wrapped around his forehead with dry blood still on his face. I didn't know what I was getting myself into. It was not my car. I had to have that car back by the morning with my parents. Otherwise, that was going to be my ass. So make a long story short to wrap this up. Somehow, he was still so drunk that, like, when he was in the locker room, he must have forgot who I was because I must have passed him about five or six more times as I'm carrying, you know, the ropes and the beams from the ring and all this other stuff. So I get everything locked up in the truck. I looked at the guy and they were like, all right, just meet us at the warehouse. And I said, I just want to let you know, John Cronus is like basically forcing me to drive into Philadelphia. So he goes, get in the truck and get the fuck out of here right now. Cause you're not going to go to Philadelphia. You might go straight to hell with him by the end of the night. So we got in the <laughs> truck, we left and that was the end of John, but it was, it was terrifying for me at that time because I thought like he was going to like kill us if we didn't give him a ride. But that was like the, the, the scary slash unpleasant experience of, of, of being around him at that one time. And like I said, don't want to speak ill of the dead, but that was not, that was my first last and only run in with him. And it wasn't pleasant. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty, that's a pretty, uh, that's story. something else. <laughs> Sorry if it was so, so long. I know. I'm not, I'm not pulling No, no, no. That was funny. That was awesome. And, and it's, it's crazy, man, because, you know, you get like, you know, when you, you get to work in the wrestling business. And I think what, what's interesting about doing a show like this is that we do have these stories of um, both, like both your stories. One was you as a fan and one was you in the business. Like it's, I think all three of us have like, an interesting take on things because we've kind of been on, on both sides and we continue to be on both sides of it. You know, I, I've never been, I mean, the funny thing is when it comes to life and not to get really philosophical, but I look at life as 
you don't get to say, all right, I'm going to be an independent wrestler this life. And then my next life, I'll make sure I meet all the legends I, I want to meet. And, and I don't get that, that whole, like, you know, the, the thing with, with certain people in the locker rooms and everything, like, you know, don't be a fan, don't be a martyr. Like, screw that, man. Like, like you only go around once. So to me, whether and, – and if I could impart some knowledge on some young people that might be getting into the wrestling business – don't listen to the cranky old guys in the wrestling business. <laughs> there, like, there's a lot of them. <laughs> be that. Be a fan too. Enjoy wrestling. Like, respect wrestling, but but be the fan. Like, keep your love of wrestling. Don't get bitter. Don't listen to people who are bitter. And in all honesty, a lot of times when I've gotten to meet people as as a fan, if I can, I do pull them aside and ask them for pointers. Um, in, in the business and what I'm doing. So there, there are those, those moments that I've had that, you know, I, I've been able to ask, like I start as a fan and then I kind of go into being in the business. So to me, keep your love of wrestling um, and, and keep your love of wrestling. Even if you meet a legend that pisses you off <laughs> because, and my, and it's funny because if you listen to the show for a while, you know that if we have a chance to throw a, a verbal barb in the direction of Sonny. <laughs> we'll throw one. And and you, you might, it's you know, if you're a fan of Sonny. Among the other things you want to throw at Sonny. <laughs> you might, not now. <laughs> I'm going to wear two if I go anywhere near that. Um, but you might wear like a body condom, Jesus Christ. <laughs> I mean, someone who's like, you know, you can get in bed with me for a fee. Like, how, uh, anyway. But when we like when we, when it gets to Sonny and and you might think that we're just being mean or we're piling on someone who obviously has has had a tough go of it since uh, uh, leaving the WWE. Um, th- there's there's a personal reason behind this, and and it, it happens. And this is probably for me uh, the most negative experience i've ever had um meeting and, and like and really working with with someone um the the interesting thing it's been like you know most of the the legends or and or maybe not legends of people that have been on tv have all been like super cool and stuff that i've done in the business whether it's in the ring green as grass and old as f like getting in the ring so and, and you know people have been like really cool with me supportive um, but this was one of those uh, situations where, uh, you know, we, we were doing some stuff with a promotion called uh, BWO, uh, Body Slam Wrestling Organization, I think that organization, and um, really cool people that, that ran uh, BWO. Uh, it, it was kind of a, a cool thing that um, they kind of helped us get our name out there, and then we publicized uh, what they were doing on the show, and uh you know, Steve Alf, who has been a great contributor to the show for years now. We met him through BWO. Um, you know, so lots of cool stuff there. But I, we did we did an angle with them. And uh, I was going to host their um, bikini contest. They were having the BWO beach party. And I, I, was, I was kind of a heel at the time. And uh, I was going in to host their, their bikini contest. And... It just so happened that uh, Damian Darling was booked on the show, 
And he was dating Sonny at the time. And Sonny, coincidentally, the day of the show, she got out of rehab. So, now, now look, and I get it. You have Sonny, um, you know, diva, Hall of Famer, the whole nine, you know, and you have a bikini contest going on. Yeah, you, if you have a chance to bring Sonny on board, you bring Sonny on board. Um so she gets it, but to BWO's credit, and, and they would have been okay, like, and I would have taken it, they could have just booted me. In all honesty, they did not need to say, like, you and Sonny are going to go out there and, and host it together. Um, they could have said, we got Sonny, uh, she wants to be part of the show, it's a bikini contest. But to the guys running BWO, um, to their credit, they're like, all right, you're going to host with her. Like, all right, fine. And I was actually, at that point, kind of psyched. I mean, I, you know, I, I knew Sonny from being a fan. Um, you know, I, I, I didn't, at that, at that point, there weren't like a ton of stories out there about her, you know, being difficult to work with. So I was like, all right, well, and I try to treat everybody like, you know, I don't listen to stories. Like, if, if I could hear a hundred stories about you being an asshole, if we hang out and you're cool, I, that's what I'm going by. So I'm like, all right, cool, man. I get to host a bikini contest with Sonny. That's awesome. Like, I, and I'm kind of pumped about this. And Sonny gets there, and I have to introduce her. I, I have to I have to announce her. Uh, so I get my entrance first. I get into the ring, and then I'm announcing that Sonny is coming. And I I also don't remember exactly what the the intro was, but it was something to the effect of that it was the original diva hall of famer sunny or whatever, whatever it was. And, and so like, I repeated it back to her, but like there was one word that was off and she's like, no, that's wrong. I'm like, okay. And so she told me again and I repeated the, the script back to her and then like, no, that was wrong again. I'm like, okay. And then finally I got the words in the order. She wanted them. And then she's like, all right, now repeat it three times so, I'm, so you got it right. And, and literally, like, the way she was talking to me, like, if there was a the out of place somewhere, she was getting, like, every word had to be exactly right. And the thing is, and, and you guys know me, I mean, Rocky, we've worked in the business a lot. I am comfortable on the mic. Yeah. I am comfortable in front of a group of people. I would have put Sonny over. If, if Sonny let me just go out and do my thing and get the crowd hyped for Sonny, I would have gotten the crowd hyped for Sonny. But I went out there kind of like, honestly, like I felt like I was a like deer caught in headlights and just like trying to remember like word for word her intro. And then apparently I got it wrong. <laughs> I thought I got it right, but apparently people told me like that – like in the back, she was like, mother effer, he screwed it up. And then she went out. And, and so I didn't see that, but I was told about that later. And, and we did our segment. And then afterwards, I just remember like in the locker room, oh, people wanted to kill her. People <laughs> wanted, and you know, she was a valet. She never, she didn't wrestle. She wasn't a wrestler, but she was critiquing everybody's match. She was like telling people, but like not in a good way. Like she told, she told one guy, she's like, you know, on that body slam, you went up like a sack of shit. Like it wasn't (laughs) even like she was giving like constructive criticism. 
or, or pointers. I have one guy, one of the, the boys in the locker room actually like, he called her a very nasty word and like, <laughs> and he like said, he's like, I'm going to punch her in the face if I don't leave her. And literally walked into the parking lot, which is like pacing in the parking lot. Did, did, but, he, did he tell her I'll see you next Tuesday? <laughs> yeah, he, he wanted to. He wanted, so, um, and, and now like, like no, like everybody in the locker room, and I'm not going to name names in the locker room. I don't want to sell anybody out and say like they were bad mouthing WWE hall of famer, original diva, Sonny. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean the, the whole locker room was, and, and, and it was, the funny thing was, like after she left, and and one of the guys in in the back like came up to me and he's like, "Can I talk to you for a second? I said, "Yeah." He's like, "I just want to ask you something." I'm like, okay. It's like, Sonny's a bitch, isn't she? <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, yeah, 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 she is. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so that's like when when we talk on the show and and when her name and. Granted, like we could, like Dave, with you and your news, like that's usually where Sonny comes up is like some sort of news story. Um, for those of you listening, the reason why we kind of throw those jabs at her when when we have the chance because she's just not a nice person. And I, I would like to think that maybe, 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 maybe we caught her on a bad day, and maybe she is nicer than that. But I tend to doubt it. And that was. <laughs> And again, it's funny, man. You know, we talk about like, you know, being able to, to work with guys and, and, you know, it's amazing. And sometimes I got to pinch myself and we talked last show about how great a guy Nunzio is and, and he's awesome. And, you know, it's one of those things where sometimes like, you remember when Dean Ambrose took the DDT from Jake, the snake and was smiling in the ring. Like he's supposed to be unconscious, (laughs) but he's got a smile. And there are times that I've been in the ring where it's like, like we, I was in a battle royal, and and Nunzio chopped the shit out of me, and yeah. like really, and and took like great pleasure in that. <laughs> yeah, then, I, I couldn't even come close. I, I was doing a chop, a chop challenge with him. And he he totally <laughs> hands down. The crowd let me know. Yeah, don't don't even try. Nunzio, but there was part it. there was part of me that like almost wanted to like smile because I'm like <laughs> I'm, I'm in the ring getting chopped by Nunzio. This is so cool. Like how is this how is this happening? But you know another guy that's been really cool to work with and and. You know, Rock, you've gotten to work with him, too. Robbie E., who is on uh, TNA, it's Global Force now, um, you know, worked a lot with BBWF. And, you know, it's funny how, th- you know, again, when you pinch yourself sometimes when you're, you're working. And, and Robbie E. was a mainstay with BBWF. So we were literally hanging out with Robbie E. on a weekly basis. Where, like, every so often, like, I had to take a step back and be like, that guy's on TV every week. And he's on a show with me every week. Like, how is that even possible? And and I remember there was one one night where like when I started with BBWF, I was I was a face, and um, we we're just doing some creative exercise. And I cut a promo, and and Icon Dan Ram, who ran BBWF, looked at me. He's like, "You should be a heel." And I was like, "I I, I would love to be a heel." <laughs> and, and he's like, "No, you have more of an edge to you. Like, you're you're a heel." So I said, all right. And, and it was one of those things where I, th- I, I believe that night on the show, Rocky, you were booked to, to wrestle Robbie E. But you yeah. were a face and Robbie was a face. Um, but that was where they were going to go. They're just going to go face versus face. And um, Dan decided, like, all right, we're going to start a slow transition. We're going to start. T- it's totally separate. We're going to start yeah. transitioning you into being a heel. And for whatever reason, and Rocky's booked to, to wrestle Robbie E, and I'm like, ah, oh, that's so cool for you. And then, and then going through my head, it's like, wow, that's awesome. But, like, God, I'd, I'd be really nervous about, like, you know, getting in the ring with someone who's on TV. And at that point, we, we hadn't been on that many 
episodes of, of primetime with, with Robbie. So it was like a relatively new um, relationship. And um, so I'm sitting there like, wow, that's cool. Rocky gets to wrestle Robbie E. But holy shit, he gets to wrestle Robbie E. Like, that's crazy. And then I'm like, but good for Rocky. He's getting in there. And then, like, Robbie E. comes walking over, and, and, and he's like, why are we doing a face versus face match? And Dan was like, I just thought, uh, you know, why not? I'm like, no, I don't want to do a face versus face. And then he looked at me, and he looked at Dan. He's like, are you are – you, he, he, I think he asked me. He's like, are you a face or a heel? I'm like, well, I'm, I'm kind of moving in a, in a direction. And, and then Robbie's like – well, if he's going to move in the direction of being a heel, like, I'll wrestle him tonight. And all of a sudden, I'm like, <laughs> what, the, what the hell just happened? Like, That's now, the way it happens on independent. Yeah, it's like, all of a sudden, like, all that, like, like, I was like, oh, cool, I get to be a heel. To be like, holy shit. Like, now it's like I'm, I'm getting in the ring with Robbie E. And it, it's amazing. Like, you know, Robbie E., you know, in a seminar, he said, I'll get in the ring with anybody because as a pro, um, you're out there to make your opponent look good. And if your opponent has less experience than you do, um, it's your job to, to make the match good. And, and Robbie E honestly was, was a true pro. Um, we had a good, as, as good as I could be, but we had a, a really good match. He, he talked me through it. Um, you know, he, he, uh, he called the whole thing and then I just, I just went with it. Um, missed some spots that he went over with me afterwards. So we talked about the match. Um, but that was like, you know, again, when you start to get involved in, in the wrestling business, um, it's, it's really weird. You know, the wrestling business to me is very unique because that, that um, you know, that gap between struggling to make it and like stardom is, is very small. You know what I mean? Like you, you, you wouldn't necessarily be doing community theater and all of a sudden, you know, be acting with someone who's got a a TV show on a weekly basis. You know, it wouldn't be that he I was like, Oh, you know, the guy who plays Sheldon on big bang theory just wants to do something in community theater. So he's, he's going to be working with you tonight. Like that, that doesn't happen like with Hollywood, but in wrestling that, that gap is like a lot smaller that you, you are, you know, even in the WWE, you are a, a hop, skip and a jump away from being on the independent scene. And once you get on the independent scene, the guys you might wind up working with, it's astounding where like all of a sudden it's like, wow, like I, you know, I just wrestled Robbie E and he's on TV tomorrow night. You know, it, it just, it was, it, it boggled my mind, but he was, he was super cool. Um, super great to work with. Uh, learned a lot, probably learned more um, in that match. Maybe I'd have to think about it, but learned a lot just being in the ring with them. And uh, you know, he was, he was a great resource for us at BBWF, always giving pointers, always being there to, to talk about matches. And he was a guy that like, you know, I mean, we, we've met some people, we've met some people that can be genuinely really negative and, and genuinely really uh, treat you like shit. And for a guy like, like Robbie E who uh, made it and is on TV and, and kind of could be that guy that could just be an arrogant prick. He wasn't, he was, he was very cordial and polite and uh, you know, he was pointed and direct with his, his, uh, critiques but in a polite way like he just he was a good guy and uh i really enjoyed working with him and uh you know rocky you were on you were in the bbwf and you got to work with him and eventually you know i hate like i, I stole your spot but eventually <laughs> eventually you did get in the ring with robbie uh correct and he's a good guy to work with right oh no absolutely i agree uh yeah i do I, i'll do remember that night and it's funny how stuff on the independence happened where you know one minute 
uh, you know, one, it's going to be one thing, and the next minute it's going to be the next. So I, I thank you for your uh, for your photo confidence for me wrestling Robbie E when then eventually you got the spot. But I was happy for you, uh, and I thought honestly that match probably did more to further your character, and I think it was well placed. I think it was a good call. And you're right. Eventually, I did get to wrestle Robbie E. And, you know, as gracious as Robbie was, as a matter of fact, I did pick up the victory in that match. You know, I, you know, and it was, again, during that time was definitely, I'm still in, I would like to think I'm still in my formative uh, independence scene years. Uh, I still have plenty to learn. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll always have plenty to learn, but, uh, you know, even more so back then. Uh, and Robbie went through the whole match with me. We had a good match and, uh, you know, it was a great learning experience for me on, on how he worked and how to work. Uh, and he was really easy to work with. And like I said, alluding to your point, Ken, this dude who's on TV, who is a name, who has his name out there, you know, dropped the match to, you know, a number one rookie over here. Uh, he didn't have to, any, anything that he said to the promoter was probably going to go, but sure enough, in order to further the story, he's like, you know, yep, uh, Rocky's taking this match, and I, I did get the victory, and that that was it was at that time a breath of fresh air because, like you said, you do meet and you do encounter all types, you know, and, and I'm sure it goes to all the walks of life, but you meet all types in the world of professional wrestling. Some can be very positive, and then again, some can be very negative, and up to that point. I think both of us were having a little crisis uh, of faith within the wrestling world because that experience of positive versus negative was very equal on that seesaw. And uh, it was good to encounter someone that made it to that level, uh, you know, push the positivity up a bit. It's crazy. And I'm curious, Dave, has there been a moment that like you just, you know, being involved in wrestling or maybe just something else, but like where, you know, at some other gathering or some other function where, you know, you, you just had to pull yourself aside, just kind of pinch yourself. Like, am I, am I really here? Is this really happening? Am I really hanging out with, with this person? Yeah, before I answer that question, I just got to break some, some possible breaking news here. I just looked and uh, Jim Ross on Twitter just said, the news of Bobby the Brain Heating's passing today has gutted me. I loved our time together. No one ever did it better than the Wheeze. So I'm trying to confirm more reports right now if Bobby the Brain Heating is still alive or not. But it seems Jim Ross's official Twitter is indicating that he has passed, he has passed away earlier today. I just wanted to get that news out there for our listeners and for you guys who I know are big Bobby the Brain Heating fans, as, I, as so was I. Yeah. Really, I mean, that, uh, yeah, that I, that's wow. And, I, and you sorry, know, and it's I'm funny because like that was one of the I, I did want to, you know, a few years ago at, at a signing, I went and uh, I got to meet him and um, him and Mister Wonderful were at the same table, and uh, you know, he had the the mouth cancer, and um, it's tough to understand him, but he's still like you could tell that he was still tickled by. Uh, fans wanting to meet him. Uh, he, he smiled the best he could for a photograph with him, but um, he was one of those guys where, you know, knowing he was there, it's like, I, I have to meet Bobby Heenan. Um, wow. That's, uh, you know, and I, I'm, I'm looking online right now, and there are um, other Twitter handles that are 
it, it's coming through. It just it does seem like this is this is true. So um um we're Sorry, gonna we'll try to continue we'll try to have like a, a good time with today's store with today's show, but um I, I, I do think since it appears to be true and um we'll get back on track in, in a bit, but um you know, just I mean, Dave, I, and this is uh, to, to be live and, and for this to happen. Uh, your thoughts on 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 Heenan and, and what he meant uh, to the wrestling business, and he, what he meant to the wrestling business, and and what he meant to you as a fan. Um. Well, I can say as a fan, uh, he was probably the first true bad guy that even as a kid I found entertaining, and that's 100 percent total shoot. Um. My father wasn't a big wrestling fan, but when he would watch and Heenan was on, my father got a kick out of watching Bobby Heenan because um, even as someone that you were supposed to hate, he still um, he entertained like no other. Uh, as a manager, as a color commentator, um, easily the best manager in the history of the business. Everyone else is fighting for second place, in my opinion, and I've said that for years. Uh, easily the best color commentator. A lot of people give Jim Ross and Jerry Lawler credit as being the best two-man group in the booth. And they are great, but nobody beats Bobby and Gorilla, in my opinion. Nobody ever. Jim Ross and Jerry Lawler could probably be in second place, but Bobby and Gorilla were up there. Um, I met Bobby Heenan a couple of times. Uh, and as I'm talking about this right now, I've never felt this way about I, probably maybe when Macho Man died, but I've got this like warm, anxious feeling in my body right now as I'm telling this story and just talking about Bobby the Brain. And I'm sorry to kill the mood like this. Uh, but, um, no, I don't apologize. I mean, I mean, I, I met, I met, and I'll, and I'll get into it later when I tell my story about when I worked backstage at Nitro. Uh, but it was uh, 19 years ago in Hartford, Connecticut. I worked backstage at WCW Monday Nitro, and I'll get into that later on in the in the show. Um, but uh, I was busting tables uh, in in catering, and Bobby Keenan was sitting with Mike Tenay and a few of the other guys and the other guys had gotten up and left and I was just cleaning the table up and I just said, is there anything I can get you guys? And unbeknownst to me, what I was going to expect, Bobby Heenan, you know, Mike today was laughing because I think he knew what was coming, but Bobby Heenan goes, yeah, sure. You know what you can do for me, pal? I said, what was that, Mr. Heenan? He goes, you could scratch my nuts. <laughs> just like that. Just like that. And I didn't know what to make of it. And I just said, okay, I'll see you later. And I got up and I walked away. And then a few years later, uh, many years later, in 2007, um, I got to meet him at the, uh, the, the WrestleMania 23 after party in Detroit after they had the WrestleMania at Ford Field. And uh, he, was at, he was standing at the bar with Gene Oracle, and I was waiting to get a drink. And um, I had just, he was, then I had a, there was an opening. Oakland walked away. He was just kind of standing there. I just said, I just want to tell you, you're one of the funniest guys I've ever you know, encountered in wrestling, and I really enjoyed your work. Um, my father, who wasn't a big wrestling fan, used to love watching you. Um, and you know, I said, I said, all the best to you in the future. Because he was at that time, he his voice had changed. He had gone through the cancer, um, and uh, but he was still, you know, alive and kicking and and, and fighting cancer. And then uh, he, he looks at me with a response and says, he goes, if you think I'm funny now, he goes, you should see me naked. And he got up and walked away. <laughs> so the two experiences I've had with Bobby Heenan, he just kind of left me speechless. But as a fan, no doubt about it, greatest manager of all time, greatest color commentator of all time. It's a truly a sad day 
um, in the business, in the wrestling business, as a fan and someone who has worked with him, who was a performer in the business, that Bobby Heaton has passed. I, I don't know what else to say. Yeah, I mean, it's something that, um, for me, as, as a, you know, I mean, I get to meet him, and, um, you know, it was just an, an absolute honor for me to meet him. I mean, I, I do think that, yeah, and I, I totally agree with you. Um, I, I don't even think it's a debate. He's the best manager ever. There's there's no stop. Just stop. He is. Um, I, right there with you. Everyone else is fighting for second place. Uh, you know, great Great color commentary. Um, him and Gorilla were just tremendous together. Um, he just, he was brilliant. He, and, and, you know, it's unfortunate that wrestling doesn't get uh, the respect in the entertainment world um, that it should. Um, because he was a brilliant entertainer. Um, uh, you know, right on par with anyone else who performs in any way, shape, or form to entertain audiences. Uh, he was amazing. He was amazing at, at what he did. And I'll, 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 I'll go one further with you, Dave, because, I mean, you, you put it out, the greatest manager of all time, greatest color commentator of all time. When I've been asked, uh, and it's a question people love to, to, to bring up, when I've been asked, what is the greatest rivalry of all time. My response has always been Heenan versus Hogan. That's that to me is the best. And, and, you know, give, give Piper a lot of credit for the eighties, but at the same time that, that wrestling blowing up, um, it was Heenan and the Heenan family that really provided those, those nemesis for nemesis, nemesis, <laughs> Those those uh, those villains for for Hogan to go against, and and when you think about you know, it was it was the brain that turned Andre. You know, brother, why are you coming out here with him? Why are you with him? You know, I mean, he was a Bobby was with uh, Mister Wonderful. You know, he was the guy, and then to just to to add to the absolute brilliance that was Bobby Heenan, that when Hogan turned. And joined the and joined and formed the NWO. Bobby Heenan was the one that said, "I knew it all along." I he, and while everyone else was saying they're shocked, they can't believe Hogan would do that. Heenan's the one that's saying, "I've been telling you this for years. This is the real Hogan." <laughs> that to me just just showed like how brilliant Brain was that he still like and it was at that point as a commentator, it was still Heenan versus Hogan. You know, he didn't like. It wasn't like Hogan turned heel and Heenan was all of a sudden all right now. Now we're buddies. Maybe I'll come back and Matt. No, he hated Hogan. And, and to me, when I think of the the best rivalry ever, I I think of Hogan and Heenan. And and Heenan's one of those guys that um, you know, he could have managed anybody to the main event. He really he just you know sprinkle a little of that Bobby the Brain dust on anybody, and they were going to be a top heel right away. The guy could could talk he could, he was great at taking manager bumps you know and when someone finally got a hold of Heenan and decided they were going to beat Heenan up oh the, the bumps that he would take <laughs> was just phenomenal that dude whether he was bumping whether he was just walking a guy to the ring 
whether he was cutting a promo or whether he was commentating, there aren't many guys in the history of the business that knew how to tell a story and could tell it as well as Bobby Heenan could. And it is a really sad, tragic day uh, to lose someone like that. And, and rest in peace, Bobby Heenan, everyone who knew him, uh, family and friends, uh, our thoughts are with you. Um, but but definitely a, a very sad day. Your thoughts, Rocky, on, on Heenan and, and his legacy and career? Yeah, it's uh, – I'm – I'm kind of blown away. Like, honestly, uh, I, I didn't expect to get this kind of news right now. And uh, again, uh, I don't think you, you know, there's going to be no argument. Heenan, uh, one of the greatest, if not the greatest wrestling personality of all, of all time. Um, like to your point, Ken, uh, you know, as good a face as Hogan was, as popular a hero as Hogan was, you're not going to have a great hero without an equally great villain. And Bobby certainly filled that role, filled that mastermind. He was, you could almost look at it as Superman versus Luthor, because where Hulk had all the physicality, he was the, he was the superhero, the literal superhero. You had the evil mind uh, behind putting together whatever wrestler Bobby was behind to try to uh, to try to conquer Hogan, uh, and even past that, you know, going from you know the sinister to the comical, uh, his exchanges with Gorilla, uh, I- I'll never forget when uh, Ric Flair was becoming prominent in the WWE uh, back then at WWF. And Heenan would go on his fair to flare rants, and I, I was it had me rolling, and it, it really, and listening to what, however long Bobby was going until until Gorilla couldn't take it anymore, I was like, will you stop? <laughs> and I'll never forget the you know the time that uh, Gorilla actually chased Heenan out when it, when I guess it was when Heenan was going to to WCW from W and. Just the the whole exchange, uh, you know, uh, another pair. I don't think you, they're they're a pair beyond compare, uh, and I'm pretty sure that's the line that Heenan probably would have come up with a lot a lot sooner than I did. Uh, you know, he, he he's a legend. All you have to do is ask him. Uh, and and it's, it's sad to think that uh, you know that that bright light within the wrestling world has been extinguished and. Uh, you know, uh, I guess all I can say is rest in peace. I guess there, I guess there was some need for uh, for a heel manager up in heaven. He's gonna be, he's gonna be knocking them dead up in the wrestling ring in heaven. Yeah, just uh, hey, you know, it's funny, man, because I guess we're sitting there and we're talking about Heenan, like, and and it is, and I have this like weird, it's like this weird emotion that that I'm I'm I, like this part of me that just wants to like cry. Um, but as we're talking about Heenan, I can't help but smile from ear to ear. Like it, it, it I, I, you know, and as, as a heel, as a guy that was, was his job was to go out there and get heat. Um, the fact that he, he just elicits such fond memories that when you just like, I mean, as soon as, I mean, the guy just passed and, and it's tragic and, and we're all like really sad here. But as you say, like with the girl monsoon, like, oh, would you stop? Like, I have to laugh. I have to smile. Like, there's so many things with Heenan that when I think about 
you know, being a wrestling fan for as long as I've been a wrestling fan and all of us guys on this show, like we've been watching wrestling, you know, we're, we're not like one of those newfangled podcasts of millennials who've been watching wrestling for a decade, you know, multiple decades. We've been watching pro wrestling. We didn't watch Bobby Heenan, you know, for historical context on the WWE network. Like we lived through the era of Bobby Heenan. We watched Bobby Heenan. Um, and, and, you know, as we're all sitting here talking about his passing, I, I, I'm experiencing like this weird emotion because I kind of, I want to cry, but I want to sit here and laugh too because he just, he provided so many moments and he was that guy. Even I thought your analogy of brain being Lex Luthor to Hogan Superman is, is, is perfect. And, and the thing was like, you just, you had this like visceral, like he was so good at being that heel <laughs> that when someone finally got a hold of him, like, because he was that guy, he was the weasel. Like, you just, you wanted to see him, you know, get punched. And, and on those, those off chances where, especially Hogan, you know, if Hogan got a hold of him and, you know, would grab him by the back of his collar and, and would just, like, have the fist up to the crowd and just looking. And the crowd would just like be that, going batshit crazy. That pop was hard. And, and Heenan just, like, violently shaking his head back and forth, begging not to get, and then all it took was one punch, and Heenan would bounce and flail and sell all over the ring, and his bumps were everything he did was just priceless. And uh, you know, I don't, I don't know about you, Dave, but like you kind of said, it, it's kind of just this weird feeling. Like I, I kind of want to sit here and just reminisce about how great Heenan was, and, and kind of laugh and smile, but I'm, I'm kind of sad at the. Like, obviously, I'm very sad at the same time. It's, it's a very kind of odd, odd emotional conundrum that that's happening but he he just i i don't know like now that we're in this moment of of remembering him i just i'm sitting here with this like big smile on my face like just thinking about all the the great times and all the uh great memories that that he gave uh wrestling fans um it's just it's it's a sad day so i i will say this if you're if you're a fan and and you are if you're a younger fan and you have not you don't know bobby heenan um do yourself a favor today, and, and even if you if you knew, if you grew up with him, whatever age you are, um, in his memory, get on the network, pull it up, uh, whatever, whatever, just put in Bobby Heenan, watch anything with him, whether you want to, whether you're going to pull him up on commentary, want to see him cutting a promo with with Ric Flair, you want you want to see him in WCW doing commentary, WW, whatever. Right now, in his memory, go and smile. Because to me, that's what Heenan wanted. He wanted to entertain us. He wanted to make us smile. The the most maybe the most brilliant mind ever to entertain us in the wrestling world. Probably the quickest wit ever. Um, in his memory, g- get on the network tonight and and smile. Enjoy Bobby's work. Um, recognize his greatness. And um, I, I think that's what we all should do. Is just kind of reminisce and, and enjoy Bobby Heenan tonight and, and recognize how, how much of a genius he was uh, to the wrestling world. So, um, you know, it, it, it's obviously the show has kind of taken a bit of a turn. Um, Heenan may continue to come up throughout the show. We'll, we'll see where the show goes. If you want to call in and give us your thoughts on Heenan, uh, we're still going to talk about meeting other guys in the wrestling business. Um, it's an awkward transition. We're going to try to do this, but by all means, if you want to call in 
and you just want to talk Heenan, we'll talk Heenan. Um, we'll talk about whatever you guys want to talk about. You know the number, 347-838-9815. Um, we're going to kind of free flow it here. We're gonna, we'll probably go back to Heenan. We'll talk stories. Um, we'll see where the show's going to go. But definitely, um, tonight's a night to remember the, the great Bobby the Brain Heenan, one of the greatest ever. Um, rest in peace. Uh, why don't we go now? We'll go to the break now. We'll uh, hit the news. And then uh, we'll get back into uh, talking about meeting pro wrestlers and then try to have some fun the rest of the show. So with that being said, it is time now for the day five 50-50 news report. Um, good evening. Good evening. And welcome to another edition of the most comprehensive news segment in the pro wrestling podcast game today, the day five 50-50 news report. Now dedicated to the late, great Bobby, the brain Heenan. Rest in peace, Bobby. You will truly be missed by all your fans and colleagues in the wrestling industry. Now, before I get into this week's top stories, don't forget to follow B-Plus Players Radio, where you can find this show each and every week. Catch the replay of our live Sunday shows dropping at roughly 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And if it's not available, then send your thoughts and concerns in a timely manner, and politely, I might add, to the guy who takes more selfies than a teenage girl, Mark Adam Haggerty, who just so happens to host his very own show, The Outsider's Edge. More original content is being added to B-Plus seemingly every day, making B-Plus Players Radio the place to get your fix on Pro Wrestling Podcast Talk. You don't want to be left out in the cold, so subscribe right now. And with that out of the way, here's this week's top stories. This week, we begin with some huge news regarding the 30th anniversary of the Survivor Series event in our top two stories. First off, Multiple pro wrestling media sources have reported that WWE officials are looking to headline the Fall Classic with John Cena squaring off against The Undertaker. Undertaker's whereabouts became a hot topic in the dirt sheets during SummerSlam weekend when he was spotted in the New York City area the weekend of the event. Allegedly, he was there to work off some ring rust for a potential match, despite the rumors of his retirement following his match at WrestleMania 33 with Roman Reigns earlier this year. Sources say that the likelihood of this match is 50-50. It's seen as taking a leave of absence from WWE following No Mercy to film the new Transformers spinoff movie. But if he can get permission from studio executives to work the Survivor Series match, then allegedly, according to the sources, Undertaker has agreed to work the match with Cena. Taker would likely make an appearance at No Mercy to cost John Cena the match, which would then set them up for Survivor Series in November. And on a personal note, This upcoming Survivor Series event emanates from Houston, Texas, Undertaker's hometown. Where did the birth of the Undertaker character take place in WWE? Yep, you got it right, Survivor Series. I'll leave it at that. The second half of the Survivor Series news comes on the female front, as it was highly publicized back in July that WWE was looking to begin the early stages of an MMA four-horsewoman versus WWE four-horsewoman rivalry when they filmed an angle on the second night of the May Young Classic tournament tapings. The WWE app released backstage video footage recently of both female contingents agreeing to a potential match at a later date. That later date is rumored to be the 30th anniversary of the Survivor Series. More seeds were supposed to be planted at the May Young Classic finals this past week as Ronda Rousey and her female cohorts were in attendance showing support for the runner-up of the May Young Classic and fellow MMA four-horsewoman Shayna Baszler. However, 
Chairman Vince McMahon nixed those plans and wanted to focus that evening's event on the winner of that tournament, Kyrie Sane. Rumors after the event began to circulate that McMahon completely put a stop to the rumored Survivor Series match. However, Dave Meltzer is reporting that the plan still called for an MMA WWE horsewoman match to occur. Whether that be a Survivor Series or even WrestleMania 34 next year, that is unclear. But this storyline is expected to commence in the very near future. Another idea tossed around following the rumored eight-woman tag match is to have Ronda Rousey work a singles match at WrestleMania 34 with either Charlotte Flair or Stephanie McMahon. In regards to Stephanie, those seeds were planted just a few years ago at WrestleMania 31 from Levi Stadium when Rousey and The Rock took part in an in-ring confrontation with Stephanie and husband Triple H. Some good news this week from Global Force Wrestling is the company has been teasing an announcement regarding the site of their upcoming Bound for Glory event. Originally, Orlando, Florida and the Universal Studios was the spot set to host Bound for Glory. But that all seemed to change this past week, as the company teased several locations on social media, including India, Japan, and the United Kingdom. However, this morning, it was announced that Bound for Glory would emanate from the Great White North in Canada. The exact location hasn't been announced time, but it's rumored that the event could be held in the Toronto area, as Anthem Media, the parent company of Global Force Wrestling, is located there. This will be the first time since 2008 that the company held a pay-per-view in Canada, as No Surrender took place from Oshawa, Ontario, Canada, headlined by Samoa Joe, Kurt Angle, and Christian for the TNA World Heavyweight Championship. The company looks to make it official tomorrow, and if Toronto is the setting, then the Impact Wrestling TV tapings will also be held in the very same building just a few days following the pay-per-view. In some interesting news this week, Brie Bella revealed on her YouTube channel that not all of the content released for the channel is WWE approved. She went further to indicate that WWE put a stop to releasing some footage of her in-ring training sessions with husband Daniel Bryan, as it was revealed that Bryan took a few bumps from a dropkick during the session. Daniel Bryan is currently on the no-bump list in WWE since his retirement and also due to the ongoing class action concussion lawsuit WWE is facing with over 50 former pro wrestlers. It should also be noted that Brian revealed on a recent episode of Edging Christian's podcast that he is still in the process of getting cleared to return to in-ring action. In that interview, he revealed that the non-FDA approved testing from Evoke Neuroscience in New York City, which determined his in-ring future in February of 2016, had misdiagnosed him. The doctor had told Brian that he had a lesion on his brain and would never perform again. This resulted in Brian informing WWE medical staff and Chairman Vince McMahon, which then led to his retirement from in-ring performing. Doctors from UCLA and the University of Phoenix, who had cleared Brian a year prior, were notified of the diagnosis and informed him that the lesion in the medical field is a term thrown around loosely, which means that there's just something there on his brain and that his reflexes are slower than the average athlete tested. Since then, Brian has undergone hyperbaric oxygen therapy treatments at the Joe Namath Neurological Research Center in Florida to improve his brain function. Tests have shown that his brain activity is equivalent of an average college football player that's banged up but not a high risk for brain damage. He has undergone 40 treatments so far, and with a total of 120 treatments to complete this process, Brian's brain could be fully healthy by the time this process is over with. From a medical standpoint, after these treatments, Brian's brain will look like he's never been involved in contact sports ever. 
Of course, at the end of the day, it will be up to WWE's head physician, Dr. Joseph Maroon, to decide if Daniel Bryan is medically cleared to perform in a WWE ring again. Bryan hopes to be cleared and realistically wants to work a part-time 50 to 100 match schedule per year. On a side note, Daniel Bryan's contract with WWE ends sometime in 2018, and he's gone on record saying if WWE will not clear him to return, then he will explore other options. And on my final story this week, coming off the show-closing segment from SmackDown Live this past Tuesday with Vince McMahon and Kevin Owens, SportsKeda.com has reported that what transpired on TV wasn't what WWE creative originally planned out. Allegedly, the original idea was for McMahon to make a deal with Kevin Owens to put Shane McMahon's WWE stockholder shares on the line in their upcoming Hell in a Cell match. The plan was then for Triple H to return and help Owens win the match, and then Owens would give Triple H Shane shares of WWE, leaving him with no stock in the company. This would result in Shane returning months later to set up a match between himself and Triple H at WrestleMania 34. Not sure if that match is entirely off the table now or if they will find another way creatively to make that match happen. But in the same article, Sports Keita mentions that the relationship between Shane McMahon and Triple H has gotten better over the last year. And when confronted with the idea of working together in a storyline, both men seem to have no issue with it whatsoever. And for you wrestling fans who listen to this fine podcast, do you have a lucky individual in your life that currently doesn't know it? Do they know you're a passionate wrestling fan but struggle with making the decision to take the plunge and go on a date with you? Well, folks, wait no longer, as I've got the solution for you. Door Decor, the one-stop shop for all your custom home decor needs. If you're looking to impress this special someone, then look no further than Door Decor. Custom wreaths, signs, or any other home decor could add personality to one's cozy living quarters. Not sure what you're looking for or have a special theme in mind? Maybe a pro wrestling theme? Then reach out to Nicole on Facebook, at Door Decor by Nicole. Or go to her Etsy store at Decor Door Boutique. She'll be able to help design and create the perfect piece to hang in your home for that special someone. Do you want to live in your parents' basement forever with the only excitement to look forward to is mom coming home from the grocery store with a new box of tissues to clean your sticky keyboard? Well, here's your chance to finally get laid and still maintain your pro wrestling fandom with Door Decor. And there you have it, folks. Thanks for tuning in to the Day 55050 News Report. Check back here next week as I'll, sure, I'll be sure to inform you on all the locker room gossip in the world of professional wrestling. Now let's continue with story time part two and sprinkled in with a little Bobby Heenan tributes. Ken, Rocky, take it away. Yeah, it's very, I'm, we're going to try and have a good time. Like I'm, I'm, I think we're all kind of in a weird emotional place, but let's uh, we'll try to get back to uh, telling some stories and, and meeting some people. And, um, you know, I, I, one of my favorite stories, and, uh, you know, it's interesting, and I just mentioned, um, you know, part of, like, the 80s, and I mentioned Piper in mentioning Bobby Heenan and, and how, um, you know, your, your superhero needed a nemesis. And, you know, Piper fit that bill. Um, but to me, Bobby Heenan was, was it. But I, I lo- like, to me, Piper is, is the greatest talker ever. Like, he's, he's my top spot there. Um, and a few years back, there was a show um, not too far from where we lived. And uh, it's interesting, like, the, the night, I remember that night distinctly because I was going and, and I was going to go to the show. But I didn't have, honestly, much of a desire to go to the show. I wanted to meet Piper. That's why I was going. I wanted that Piper was going to be signed. And I'm like, you know, 
it's Roddy Piper, you know. Yeah. I mean, that's I can't blame you. You know, and Roddy, Roddy to me, like I think greatest talker ever. I also think when I when you look at WrestleMania three and you look at the build, like I don't think Piper gets enough credit for what he did because Piper did a lot to help build that main event between Hogan and Andre. And he also had his own angle that he was he was building for for WrestleMania three with Adrian Adonis. Um, to me, like Piper is just like the unsung hero of, of WrestleMania three. So when I heard that he was going to be nearby um, and doing signing, I'm like, I, I got to go and, and meet Roddy Piper. And interestingly enough, that night turned out to be the night that the previous owners of our house accepted our offer to purchase the house. And we were kind of going back and forth on the phone with, like, you know, the offers and everything and, and the realtor. And it was like, all right, stay there. So we were, we were just kind of hanging out, like, going back and forth. And then it's like they, they accepted the offer. But we had, you know, it wasn't like, well, call us back. We're going to a wrestling show. So <laughs> let, and, and, you know, so it was kind of, all right, stay there. We'll call you back in a couple minutes. And it just, you know, a few phone calls and. They took our offer. So what wound up happening is that we, we got there late. And I missed Piper. I missed all the signings. And so we watched the first half of the show as intermission. And I found the guy. Was, I, I, I'm forgetting his name. I wish I got to give him props. But it was it was Northeast uh, Wrestling, NEW. Michael Bryan. Um, what was that? Michael Bryan. Michael Bryan. I think it was Michael Bryan. And I didn't know who he was at the time. I just know he looks like he's in charge. So I grabbed him and I was like, is, is Piper going to be coming out? Is anyone else going to be coming out to do maybe do signings during um, intermission. intermission? And he's like, I don't know, but go, go wait over there for a minute. Like, all right. So he, he makes me wait like on, on the fence, like near the entrance, there's like the guardrail near the entrance and I'm sitting with a couple other people. Um, Michelle's there with me and we're just kind of standing there and I'm figuring Piper's going to come through the curtain, kind of say hello and, and go back. And for me, I'm like, that's, if I get to shake his hand, like I'm just, you know, I'm late. Don't need to do anything extra for me. And um, so you got to Like, I'm not exaggerating this. This is how the whole story plays itself out. Okay. So I'm waiting there with a couple other people Michael Bryan comes by and says, all right, follow me. The show is in a school, okay? So the, it's, it's the weekend. The only lights on in the school are the lights for the show. So once we go through this doorway, we're walking through this dark hall. All the lights are out. It's, it's fairly dark. And we're just following uh, Michael Bryan, who I, I, I don't know for, for all I know, he could have been being led to the slaughter. Like I had no <laughs> idea where we were going. It's like, yeah, follow me. Okay. You know? Um, so we walked down this hallway and then he just says, now wait here. And we listened to him because again, it could have been like, yeah, chainsaw Charlie's coming. <laughs> like, but like, exactly. Um, it's like, wait here. It's like, Oh, okay. We'll wait here. And like, no exaggeration, man. I, and I, I really man, be struck down. Like, you can't make this up, but I'm standing in this hallway, darkened hallway. There's a door, like I'm leaning on the wall and there's a door across from me. The door starts to open. The light from the other room floods the hallway. 
And so my eyes are adjusting. So all I see is kind of this silhouette coming at me. And it's just kind of this weird, like very surreal moment. And then it's Piper. It's freaking Roddy Piper. And he looks at me. He smiles. And he says, thank you so much for coming. Thank me? You're thanking me? And then he hugs me. And it was just... (laughs) Oh, and you know, it's funny, like, like Michelle should be on the show, but she like, I mean, I, I became like 12 years old, like immediately, like I was just a 12 year old and it, and he just hung out and talked with us for, for a few minutes. Um, we were talking and I, I just, you know, was kind of saying how I'd been a fan for so long. And I was like, Michelle's kind of a newer fan. And he was very gracious. Like, Oh, that's, that's, that's great. She's, she watched like, Yeah. You know, I got her into it. Like she's kind of a newer fan. He's like, Oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. Then he gets this, like, serious look on his face. He points at me, and he goes, you're showing her the old stuff, though, right? And I said, absolutely. He's like, all right, as long as you can watch the new stuff, but as long as you're showing her the old stuff. I'm like, no, I am showing her the old stuff. And um, then, man, he's like, all right, let, let's get a good picture. And and he, he says, come here, champ. And I know the stories about Roddy Piper is that he called everybody champ. But that was my moment, freaking <laughs> Rod. And I'm getting like I'm I'm getting like a little misty eyed right now. Just telling the story, like Roddy Piper called me champ. Like I don't care that he called everyone. He called me champ, and it was just like one of those like I, I'm getting goosebumps even just talking about it. And he's like, let's get a good picture. And he put his arm around me. He put his fist up, gave like a tough guy look, and I don't look tough at all because I was like, it's Roddy Piper. <laughs> um, <laughs> and it, it, it also it, it might be like my my greatest experience meeting someone and meeting a legend. But he like he took the time to talk with us. He didn't rush to the picture. He asked where we were from. He asked about the area. He talked about wrestling at the Westchester County Center. You know, back in the day, and oh, it was just such an incredible experience. Okay, but like, kind of tough to look. Kind of hard to look tough when you're having a 12 year old moment. Oh, it was, man. And like, and she, like, and the funny thing is, Michelle said afterwards, she's like, I, I could actually like physically see you become 12. Like, and it was just, but like, I mean, the, the light flooded, like everything, like you, you couldn't make up like how everything played itself out and in, in, in getting to meet him. And, and he could not have been more gracious. And, and for someone who I, I'm not a kid, you know, I mean, he, he kind of transformed me into a kid in the moment, but. Um. Oh, just such a, such a cool moment, you know. Such a really cool for a guy. Again, you know, when you, when you talk about, you know, there's there there's short lists, man. Like when you talk, I mean, we're talking about Heenan and Heenan best manager ever. You know, when you when you start to talk like best ever, that's a short list. And for me, true, like true. Piper, to me is the the best talker ever. I, we can debate that, but uh, to, yeah. to meet someone who is the best ever at anything was just and, and to be so gracious and the, like the first, and this and let this be a lesson to you youngins out there um you know don't don't ever think you're too big man the first words out of his mouth were thank you the first words was thank you and and we weren't at his table and i didn't buy anything like he didn't sell me his his 8 by 10 he didn't sell me an autograph i didn't pay piper a dime but he came out and was cordial with everyone who was out in that hallway just to meet people and be friendly. And, and I like to that, that was just um, the utmost and just, just class and, and just, uh, you know, knowing where he came from and just, uh, you know, respecting his fans and, and 
for me, that was one of my greatest moments uh, ever. And I just said, I know this is going to be a weird show and it's going to be tough, but I just kind of wanted to, to throw out a real positive experience and get us kind of moving in that direction. But um, are there any moments like, like, like Dave, are there any moments that you've had that like you met someone and were really just blown away by, by the experience and meeting them? Um, yeah. Um, I had met Piper actually a couple of years ago, um, two years before he had passed. And, uh, I kind of had a similar experience with you on, on the level of kindness that he had showed towards me. Um, you know, I, I went to his table. I took a picture with him. I brought my wife and my stepson at the time we weren't married, but first thing he said to me, he goes, you have such a beautiful family. Thank you for coming out to the show. And I was like, so taken aback by it. And I remember, and, and, I'm not, I'm not bullshitting you, Kim. I'm not bullshitting our listeners here. I remember in that moment when he said that, I was like, I remember Ken telling me how nice he was when he spoke with him. And it was at that moment where, like, all through my head, I'm trying to figure out what am I going to say to him. Oh, he smashed Jimmy, Cook, Jimmy Snuka over the head with a coconut. Or he, you know, went to war with Hogan at WrestleMania. And the stuff with Mr. T and the gold dust stuff. And, like, there's so much stuff I could sit here and talk with him about. And... I talked about none of that. Instead, he kind of took over the conversation, and he had said to me, where are you from? And I said, uh, Hartford area. He goes, oh, Hartford. I wrestled there a few times. He goes, in fact, I was supposed to wrestle there one night, and I ended up staying there a week. I don't know why, but I was there for a week. <laughs> and I, I was just, like, kind of taken aback by it. And then that night, he was it was Northeast Wrestling. Um, he was scheduled to do a Piper's Pit segment with Jake the Snake Roberts, which I, which that was the only reason why I went and bought a ticket, to see that, and Goldust was on the card, who wrestled Tony Nese, and Goldust was actually going to work the WWE pay-per-view with uh, his brother Cody Rhodes against The Shield the next night in Buffalo. So it was like his last indie appearance before he went to go work, back to work with WWE. Anyhow, when I said to Piper, I said, I, I said, have you, I go, I've watched you for a long time, I've watched wrestling for a long time, but I truly don't remember did you ever do a piper's pit with jake the snake or did you ever go on his, the snake pit and he says no he's never done it he goes and he goes this is probably the first last and only time you will ever see something like this he goes i hope you know he goes how old are you i said uh, 30 at the time he goes, he goes you definitely watch for a long time i hope you truly enjoy this and he was just so kind and generous and i i that that to me was like the epitome of my childhood right there like well, the way he treated me and I just uh, all those thoughts came back and I had a very similar moment like you did where I was just I, I didn't know what to say I was at a loss for words I think if you even look at the picture like I, I, I messed around with so many filters on the on the, the, the picture on my phone because I was trying to hide the fact that I was sweating bullets in the picture like you can <laughs> see how shiny my you see how shiny my forehead is I mean I was like truly taken aback and I, you know, unfortunately, he had passed, you know, a number of years, a couple of years ago. But I, I, when he passed away, I was like, I was truly blessed to meet him and how nice he truly was to me, but also my family, now my wife and my stepson. It was just a, it was one of those moments like you, Ken, where I was definitely taken aback by him and, and realized, you know, well, Mark, I truly was. And there was nothing wrong with that either. No, there's not. And that's just it, man. And like, you know, when we talk about, um, you know, and there's a few more stories I want to share and, and uh, of like, you know, people that have passed and that's, you know, you, you, 
I just can't stress enough, and especially going through the show, and and you know, the fact that I did get to meet Bobby Heenan. Um, you know, if you're involved in the wrestling business, if you're if you're doing you're a wrestler, whatever you're manager, whatever you're doing in the wrestling business, and and you're being lectured about not being a mark and having to act a piss off and screw that, like <laughs> meet these people, like if you have a chance to, if these were guys. Like I said before, the gap between superstardom and like these legends, legends are accessible. They're more accessible than, than other industries. Like if you have the don't like don't play that game with like I'm I'm not gonna be a mark. I'm gonna be no, be a mark. Be a mark. If you have that opportunity, if there's a signing near you, if there's some sort of fan fest, who gives a shit? Like check your ego. And just go and meet these legends. Go and just go. Like, don't listen to the people that that want to like, like want to turn the wrestling business into into a negative industry. It's not. It's the greatest form of live entertainment there is. Go, go to these these meet and greets. Go and meet these legends. Talk with them. You you never know. Like you know. I mean, the experience that we're relaying about hanging out with Piper. It's like he was just so nice. Meet these guys. Have these stories. Have these stories so when these people, you know, unfortunately do pass away, that you can you can relay how great they were and how kind they were and, and how, you know, great they were to be around. And they weren't just great on screen, but they were great to meet. Um, I, I just just stop. Stop with that. Go out. Meet these legends. Rock, is there any guy like you think of that you're like, wow, like I can't believe I'm actually meeting this person? Well, uh I've had a couple of those experiences, but honestly, one of the more positive experiences going along the lines of what you were saying, Ken, these legends are accessible, you know, they're real people. And, you know, in the sense of stardom and, and what their accomplishments are in the wrestling ring, sure, we can get caught up in, in the celebrity of it all. But there are some stories out there that also remind us that, you know, what's, these guys are also just real regular Joes that, Sometimes, you know, you meet them through, uh, you know, really mundane circumstances, so to speak, um, because I can tell you one story is not firsthand. It's kind of secondhand. It's with my brother. My brother happens uh, for about 20 somewhat years. He was a chef down in Florida. And uh, this is during the 2003 time frame. I had just returned from the war and I my family just happened to be down in Florida visiting my brother. I'm like, well, I'm not going to go home. I'm going to see everyone down in Florida because my whole family's there right now. Um, and my brother who ran a, a certain, re- there's a certain restaurant. It's actually a chain of restaurants in Florida. It's called uh, Cody's Roadhouse. And uh, he was actually the, the head chef that taught all the cooks for all the Cody's Roadhouses how to cook. But apparently his particular restaurant was a favorite of one Mr. Undertaker and one Mr. Big Show, who apparently love love to ride their motorcycles around. This is a Dunedin, Florida. I believe it was Dunedin, Florida. The, they were really they love to hang around there because the, the way I found it out is when I went down there, my nieces. I have three nieces, all wrestling fans, and they have almost an obscene amount of Undertaker and Big Show uh, memorabilia, apparel, like the whole nine yards. And apparently, the way he came across it. Because I visit my brother in the restaurant and I see the picture of my brother at the time had a picture of me in uniform when I was in Iraq. And next to it, he has a picture of Taker and Shell. 
And he said, he's like, well, no, these guys come here all the time. They love the food here. And my brother relayed to me a story at the time of a, a one time on his way to the restaurant, he actually ran into show shows at the gas station. My brother stopped to get gas and shows at the gas station, incidentally, on his way to the restaurant as well. Uh, but he was saying that when, when show was walking out, he's like, he had in his hand. Uh, if you remember those king size Snicker bars, like he, he, he literally has a group of these in his hand and he has a two liter of Coke in the other. He's like, he's holding it like it's a can. He's like, <laughs> yeah, I'm having the, This is my after dinner. This is my after dinner snack. <laughs> like, Holy smoke. And, and I could picture, but you know, both of them, the t- taker and show loved Cody's and they used to visit my brother all the time. They signed a whole bunch of stuff for my nieces and, you know, like you said, while we marvel at their accomplishments within the ring, we marvel at the things that people like them have accomplished within the wrestling world, they are also normal people who do normal things like go out and have a bite or go ride their motorcycles down in Florida. And perhaps it goes to, I remember in the first show, we kind of uh, touched on, you know, coming up to them in their normal lives and possibly bothering them. But, you know, not for nothing. They were very cordial. They were very friendly. Obviously, very generous in giving all the stuff that they gave to my nieces. So, you know, sometimes you just run into those guys who, while in front of the camera, they are they are a larger-than-life character. As soon as the camera is shut off, they can be your regular average, Joe. That's right. I had a friend that met The Undertaker at an airport. And I guess he was probably, he was probably right around 30. And, like, Taker signed something for him, but looked at him and said, you really still watch this shit? (laughs) (laughs) Like, that's awesome. And kind of smiled when he said it, but I was like, that's awesome. (laughs) But, yeah, I mean, it's it's funny, man, because it is, you know, this show and doing this, and this is fun because you get to, you know, and you think about, um, you know, we, again, we're, we're, we, we kind of skate that line where we're, we're in the business, but we're also fans and, uh, you know, a few years back, as we talk about, you know, meeting people, and again, someone who's passed, um, but there was, uh, I think it was Legends, uh, it was Legends of the Ring, that they, they do the uh, the Fan Fest, or Legends, of, it's Legends something, I'm forgetting the name of it, but they had, like, a package um, to go take a picture with Jimmy Snuka and Don Morocco with a steel cage backdrop, it's like, come on, uh-huh. And I, that's like, like, real, like, like, and I'm not gonna, like, don't be a mark. Oh, I am going to be a mark. <laughs> really, I, like, it was like just one of those things where, like, just take my money. As soon as I saw that, like, really take my money. I'm just throwing money at you. But like, that was one of those things where, like, when I was a kid, and I told, I told this story a lot on the show. Bobby Moran. Bobby Moran sleepover party. I think I was in like third grade. Never watched a lick of wrestling. Never watched it at all. And it wasn't the cage match, but it was early on in like Morocco and Snuka and, and their rivalry. And the, I, I don't even know if it was a match. It may have just been a brawl. But I just remember uh, them like beating the hell out of each other, people coming out to try and separate them, Snuka bleeding all over the place and, and like dead. But then all of a sudden, like he he saw his own blood. So now, <laughs> now I'm now I'm mad. You know, I was dead, 
but I didn't realize how bad the blood was. Now that I've seen the blood, now I'm pissed off. <laughs> and, and and I, 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 I again, I think I was like in third grade, like. I just was, oh, my God, I like, this is the greatest thing I've ever seen in my life. Like, look at that. There's, like, this guy with, with long hair and, and, uh, and, and just big and with, with tiger print and trunks and, and no shoes, and he's bleeding everywhere. And that other big guy, like, made him bleed, and they're yelling at and trying to kill it. This is amazing. Like, which should have, like, spoke to, like, some maybe emotional problems I had as a child, but... <laughs> I just like it kind of grabbed me as something like this is the greatest thing I've ever seen. And, you know, like when that when I saw that, I think someone shared on Facebook or something when I just saw, um, you know, Snooker Morocco steel cage backdrop. I'm like, ah, yes. The only like, thing that could have made that better was Sherry crawling on the cage and <laughs> saying, you never know. Yes. But but again, you know, like unfortunately, we've lost Snooka. Snooka is no longer with us. And um, oh my God, I mean, and it was one of those instances where I got to um, have a long conversation. But both of them were real nice. They uh, they just kind of said, "No, I've been a big fan. This is an honor being here." And they thank you very much. Like they, you know, they thanked me, shook both their hands, said quick pleasantries, took a nice picture. Um, you know, but it, it was just, I mean, I also like I I. I know I keep saying it and, and I think it's because of Bobby Heenan that I'm kind of getting incensed. Like, like go out and be that mark. Like don't think that you're, you're marking out. Like if you meet a wrestler, a legend outside of a signing or whatever, be cordial, be respectful. Don't show up. Don't show up in a bathroom with a, <laughs> with a bag of eight by tens. Um, but yeah, like take these opportunities, man. Like go out, meet them, talk with them, uh, you know, get, just, be a mark, just God do it. it. What was that? Be a mark, goddammit. Exactly. There needs to be, a needs to be like mark. a differential because, like, to me, when I when I if I call somebody a mark, much to like your story last last show, Dave, like you go into a bathroom with a bunch of eight by tens to, to like the negative connotation. You're being a mark. To me, if you're being a polite fan, I don't call like I don't refer to those type wrestling fans as marks. You're a fan. Yeah. I never understood the whole like. The wrestling business is, is kind of an odd thing where, like, people in the business who are, who are workers who need the fans will sit in the locker room bashing the fans, calling them marks. So I'm like, how, how is that? I, I, don't, I, I, I don't get it. To me, like, go out and meet these guys. So that was one of those things, you know, when you get to meet someone from your, your childhood that kind of turned you on to wrestling. Uh, you know, Jimmy Snuka, Don Morocco, that, that was freaking awesome. That, that 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 does sound awesome. Yeah, you know, I, I to be quite honest, uh, as an old school fan, um, especially here, you know, hearing the tragic news of Bobby the Brain's passing, I kind of look back and I realize that you know what, I really haven't taken a lot of those uh, opportunities to meet uh, the heroes uh, of yes, you know. Let's face it, as, in our young lives, these were the superheroes. These were the heroes. You, you had comics, you had cartoons, and you had whatever. But these were real life people. These were real life heroes who fought against the bad guys. They, the, that was their role in our young lives. And I kind of, uh, I look back and I'm like, wow, I I haven't met a lot of the cats that I would like to. Uh, just to say thank you for being, you know, for that role in, in our young lives. Like, 
I, I'm a wrestling fan way back to, you know, my father and my brothers watching Pedro Morales and, and Bob Backlund. And like Pedro, as far as on the, on the island of Puerto Rico, Pedro is a, is a living legend. Uh, I think, uh, unfortunately, I think his condition precludes him. I believe he lives in New Jersey now, and I think his condition precludes him from flying to the island, which is a sad thing. But those are the guys that we grew up watching, and that's what really drew me into wrestling. And I can remember, like, the first, honestly, the first wrestler that I ever, uh, like, I, I, did in, I did encounter a George the Animal Steel, which was a, an experience. But, like, past that, my next memory of actually seeing a wrestler in person, not like at a meet and greet, it was at an event, was, was Kane. Uh, and that was a, a rather physically imposing, you know, talk about a physically imposing person. That dude is bloody huge. And I was, I was more full, I was pretty much full grown by that time. Uh, so you know, I wholeheartedly agree with you, you know, take the chances because, you know, unfortunately these people, uh, you know, just like everyone, our time on this blue ball is limited. Uh, and these people, especially for us older fans who have watched this for decade upon decade, they did have their role in our young lives and, and be it in an entertainment role, be it as a role model, for for some of those wrestlers, it's it, you know uh, it tells me that I need to take more opportunities to meet these people. I agree. I mean, because it, it's look, we're like we're all sitting there. I mean, I'm I'm years old, and you know these guys. I mean, I'm I'm here decades later doing a podcast talking about pro wrestling. Um, it obviously shaped my life a lot, and it, it's a big part of you know as far as where I want to spend my entertainment dollar, like I'm entertained by pro wrestling and, and these legends shape that, um, you know, there's a really good possibility guys like Heenan and, and Piper Hogan, you know, guys like that. Like I, I wouldn't be watching wrestling right now if it wasn't for those guys laying the foundation. And um, I do think it's, it's important for us to go out there. And if, if you have the opportunity, just take the opportunity and, and, and meet them. It's just, it's, it's something that, you know, as an adult, really, I've taken as many opportunities as I can to, to meet guys where, where I, where I can do it. And it, it's so it's for the most part, aside from working with Sonny, it's, it's always been positive. And I, and I, you know, as a fan and as someone in the business, because you also learn, you learn, you know, even just like being in the business and, and meeting a Piper and, and a guy who's a legend who would be well within his rights to have a, an ego as big as the great outdoors. And he treats his fans with that sort of respect. And those are those, those lessons where even being in the business, meeting these legends, um, just meeting them kind of teaches you something. Well, yeah, it, it, it reminds me of that story that, uh, that I've heard you tell. You, you definitely want to respect them because or, or else you could be, uh, you know, pissing off someone like Mark Henry. <laughs> and, I, I, and, and you told me that story many times, Ken, and I, I don't know if you told it on the first show, but I think that story deserves telling on this show. Right, we're we're definitely going to do – we'll kind of like – we'll give the story, but as, as a hint almost, because down the road a piece, we've kind of kept out our WrestleMania weekend story. So we will have a WrestleMania-specific story time. Fair enough. But I, I will share this story um, because, yeah, you be careful. If you ever meet Mark Henry out, like, he, he might kill you. Um, <laughs> but I like – 
I was, it was WrestleMania weekend. He was at the bar and it just wound up being, um, I was standing next to him and dude, dude's enormous. I, I mean, TV doesn't even do him justice. I mean, he, they honestly should rent out his back for advertising space. I mean, he's just, I mean, he's so wide. It, it's ridiculous. And so I'm standing next to him and we're waiting for a drink and the, the bartender was just awful. So we're all waiting forever to get a drink. And as he's waiting, this other fan, this Mark, if you will, comes over to Henry and literally goes, holy shit, Mark Henry, and slaps him on the back in, in like a friendly palling around kind of thing, but slapped Mark Henry on the back. Mark Henry whips around like, don't you ever put your hands on me. Who the hell do you think you're? And I'm like, this guy's going to die. Like, I'm going to be, I'm going to witness Mark Henry actually killing somebody. And, and the guy was like, Oh, sorry. I didn't mean, and then like tried to back off. But so as Mark Henry is yelling at this guy, he turns back around to get a drink and he bumps into me at that point. I'm, I'm dead. Like I'm literally <laughs> like, this is my last day on earth. Like I, I just saw him like, but cause at this point, like, I don't know. Obviously, I don't know Mark Henry. So I don't know if he's just a jerk and, like, he just doesn't like fans. I don't know what's happening. He bumps into me. He turns, looks at me, and goes, sorry, sorry, I didn't see you standing there. Like, <laughs> no problem. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. It's like, that's right. You, you apologize to me. Um, but, yeah, so it's like, kind of like, to your point, Rocky, like, they're, they're people. They're human beings. Some, some are great. Some maybe not so much. But Mark Henry, good guy. Don't, slap, Don't him slap him on the back when he doesn't know you. <laughs> so yeah, so he uh, very polite and cordial with me. I thought I was, I literally thought I'm, I'm a dead man here. Like, what am I gonna do? And and like again, like like sometimes when you're at a bar or in any walk of life where there's, you know, the potential for a fight, and you're like, like if CM Punk was there, it's like I might be able to take him. Yeah, like, you know, yeah. like you know, you see Mark Henry, and it's just like. Yeah, I, there's no way. Like, I'm not even getting shot in. Yeah, I thought there's, there's no... There's, I, what was that? Walk away. Exactly. <laughs> it's like, this, if, if he decides he, he, he wants to kill me in this moment, like, I'm, I'm done. Like, there's, yeah. no, there's nothing I can do. Yeah, I, I liken myself to a tough guy, but when I look at someone like that, I was like, no, he can literally tear my arm off. Yeah. Now, I'm, no, no, yeah. that's a bad day. There's nothing I can do. I, I, like, and I'm not that fast. So I don't know if I could have, like, if he decided to come after me. And he's got bad knees. Maybe I could run faster than him. But, yeah, that was, uh, that was meeting Mark Henry. He might just pick up half the bar if he tried to run, pick up half the bar and throw it at you. Raw. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, we, yeah, someday, I mean, as, as we kind of wet your whistle and we tease a little bit, like when, when we get to WrestleMania season, we'll give you some of our, our WrestleMania weekend stories, which are, we, we, we got some doozies. Um, but that, that, those I, I know we were teasing too. those for later, but I just love that story. <laughs> Me, I, I'm, a, I'm a Mark for Mark Henry, so I just love that story. That's a, it's, uh, it's, it's a great story. And again, <laughs> like I just, you know, again, treat, treat them like people. But Dave, give us something. Give us, give us a... A fave. Give us one. Give us a. Give us a story. All right. All right. I've been waiting to tell this one for a long time. All right. I was 15, I was 15 years old, and I was in summer after my freshman year in high school, and I was going. I took a, an American government class for summer school because it was an easy credit, and 
It wasn't because I had bad grades. That came later. Uh, but it was um, – I just wanted to get a neat credit out of the way. And you had to do like 10 hours of community service. So there was an ad in the newspaper for a restaurant that was looking for someone to wash dishes and bus tables. And So I had to do community service for this class. So my mother set up the whole thing. And the guy who was the kitchen manager at the restaurant, which he's still a dear friend of mine to this very day, um, he had a catering company who happened to have the accounts at the arenas and the amphitheaters to do the catering for – musical acts and professional sports backstage. So he got to, I got to work backstage at WCW Monday Nitro when they came to Hartford in August of 1998. And that particular Nitro was remembered for the night that the ultimate warrior made his debut in the company. And he had that like 17 minute promo that nobody could understand. But basically the gist of it was, is like, I'm here coming for you, Hogan. He could have said that in the first 30 seconds, but it took him 17 minutes to do that. So anyhow, um, in, the, in the time that I worked backstage, my boss had said to me, he goes, what would you like to do for work for today? I said, can I set up the dressing room? So he goes, absolutely not. He goes, I know you're a big fan. He goes, I don't want any issues to take place. He goes, you could do something else. I said, okay, fine. So I was going to bust tables. And I figured that would be the closest way to meet the guys. They're in there eating. I could bust tables. I had like a little like a little pad with a pen, and I would have the guy sign it. And I had met the likes of Bobby Heenan. I told the Bobby Heenan story earlier. I met Dusty, Larry Zabisco. Mean Gene told me to uh, told said told me to bite him. He said bite me. Um, and then he asked me to call the nine hundred nine nine hundred number in line that they had on WCW. Um, the Steiners. Uh, one incident in particular, um, at that time while I was busting tables, I also broke my hand training for a football season in high school uh, in the weight room. Uh, I had an accident in the weight room and I broke my hand, so I was wearing a cast. But I wasn't going to miss working the Nitro show for sure. Um, but for me, that whole day was like dirt sheet heaven. Like I, everything I read on the internet was like semi-true or stuff I had never even thought about was taking place, like in catering. Like, I had heard stories that, like, Hall and Nash weren't allowed to interact with each other backstage because Bischoff was separating them because they were causing too much trouble, and that's why they split them up into two different NWO factions. So those two couldn't even sit together in catering, okay? But I got to sit with Kevin Nash, which was pretty cool. I went around, bus tables, and he saw I had an NWO red and black shirt on, and he said, I like the shirt. He said, throw up the sign. So I gave him the two suite, and then he said to me, he goes, have you taken your lunch break yet? And I said, no. He goes, who's your boss? I said, that guy over there. He goes, I'll be right back. So Nash walks up and he goes to my boss and he asks my boss if I could take a break. And so I got to sit and eat lunch with him. Disco Inferno, Alex Wright, <laughs> Eddie Guerrero, Ray Mysterio, nice. Scott Putsky, Ivan Putsky's kid, Scott Putsky. And, um, I want to say there was one more person. But anyhow, those, those are the guys that I remember sitting at that table. And ironically enough, Ken, you're going to get a kick out of this. We did our, we did our retro show back in August on uh, the WCW Road Wild pay-per-view. That pay-per-view was the topic of discussion at the table at lunch. And the main topic of discussion about that pay-per-view was the fact that Jay Leno got paid more than all those guys at the table combined. Wow. That's what, that's what they were all bitching about. That's what they were all bitching about. And now, and I'll never forget it. I kind of kept my mouth shut. 
They would they, randomly a guy would ask me questions. Who do you like to watch? What's your favorite part of the show? How long you've been watching wrestling? But for the most part, I was like kind of observing all of this. And Nash just looked over at me and he goes, "Do you think?" He goes, do you think some fucking, excuse my language, do you think some fucking talk show host should have gotten paid more than me for doing a little amount of work? And, of course, I'm not going to tell him, yeah, Leno deserves a payday. So I was like, no, of course not. Like, well, how dare he take your money like that? How dare WCW pay him that amount of money to come and work? Yeah, yeah. I was like, I was like, that's, I was like, that's bullshit, you know? So anyhow, that with that part, lunch was over. I had to go back and you know, bust more tables and um, uh, the warrior showed up and he was like a big topic amongst everybody in catering because first of all, he was late. And second of all, he really referred to himself as the warrior. He would go around and shake everybody's hand. Hi, warrior. Nice to meet you. Hi, warrior. Nice to meet you. And at one point in the catering line and the guys were getting food, warrior was introducing himself to some guys and Kevin Nash was standing behind scott hall he taps scott hall on the shoulder and he goes hi warrior nice to meet you and they were like mocking the whole they're like mocking the whole thing um that was probably the closest that i could have ever met hulk hogan that day he showed up very late um he didn't come into catering but when i took a break i went outside in the arena just to kind of check out um the setup and there were guys standing around the ring going over their matches and finishes and you know Say what you want about Hulk Hogan. You know, he gets a lot of heat for, 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 for who he is and things that he's done, whether it's, some of that stuff is true or not. But when he walked in the arena, I swear to you, I shit you not, as, uh, as honest as the day is long, I'm going to tell you, everybody stopped what they were doing and went over to go shake his hand. They didn't treat him like he was the damn Ayatollah, but he came over and everyone stopped what they were doing and, like, treated him with respect. Like, that's how, that, to me, that, like, looking back on it now, like, that showed how much respect a lot of those guys had for him and his contributions to the business. He was like, it was like a, it was like a scene out of The Godfather in some ways. You know, everyone going over and saying hello to him. I didn't get a chance to meet him personally, but um, that day for me, I was like, like I said, in heaven. Like, I couldn't wait to go home and go on the message boards, the internet, because before they were really dirt sheets, there were message boards that you chatted with other fans with. And I had this, like, three-page dissertation about my day working Nitro when talking with all these other guys. And, and then people on the message boards were asking me questions. Did so-and-so show up? Was this guy being held back? You know, was this push being held behind the scenes? Like, it was, it was probably one of the best days as a wrestling fan for me. I got to meet so many guys, Bret Hart, Kimberly, DDP, Canyon, Sting, Goldberg, um, Buff Bagwell, Rick Steiner. I didn't get to meet Scott Steiner, but one of my coworkers almost got his ass kicked by Scott Steiner. I can tell you that <laughs> one. Yeah, true story. The um, usually at those like cater, you know, backstage catering functions for many years, whether it's a, a band or you know a tour of some kind or whatever, usually they get loadout food from the the in-house caterer. The caterer will either make food for them to then take on the tour buses, or they'll give them like menus to go get some local takeout and it will get delivered and put on the bus and then they head on the road. So we were instructed with whatever leftovers we had just to make like, like 200 plates of food and we had to label them all. So we labeled them all by like the wrestlers names. And the deal with me was I had bought a ticket to this show. And so I told my boss, like when the show goes on, I'm done with work for the night, right? And he said, yeah, that's not a problem at all. Before the show went on the air, 
a lot of the guys were getting their loadout food early. The show didn't even started yet. They were getting their loadout food. So some of the guys must have not been booked on the show. They were leaving early to get to the next town, whatever the case is. So Scott Steiner wanted his loadout food because apparently he didn't eat lunch or dinner during cater, you know, during the, the catering hours. And there wasn't a plate put aside for him. So the guy I worked with, he was a pretty cocky guy. He, he hated wrestling. He would shit all over me about being a wrestling fan. It's fake. It's phony. Da, 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 da. So Scott Steiner literally walked in the kitchen and was like, where's my food? And, of course, I'm just sitting back. I'm like, you know what? I'm going to sit this one out. I, I've got nothing to say here. And, of course, the guy who I work with who hates wrestling was like, uh, who are you, buddy? And I'm in the background like, yeah, you really realize you, you don't realize who this guy is and how big he is. Like, just give him what he wants. But, of course, I'm going to let you, you know, make your bed and lie in it with this one. And hopefully you'll come out alive at the end of this. And <laughs> Steiner, Steiner, goes, Steiner goes, I'm with the crew. I'm working the show tonight. I didn't get a meal. I'd like a plate. And he goes, well, do you have a meal ticket? Because the rule was you had to have a meal ticket to eat lunch and dinner and all this stuff. He goes, no, I don't have a meal ticket. Why do I need a fucking meal ticket? And at that point, that's when things began to escalate even further. And my buddy's like, well, I don't care how famous you are or how many – how many title belts you've owned. You need to get a meal ticket if you're going to eat and, and, and take the food because those are the rules. And I'm just like in the back, I'm like, judge, just give him what he wants. Like he's going to kill you in front of all of us here. Just give him what he wants. And Steiner made some big stink about it. He didn't get physical with my buddy, which I was hoping he was going to do, but he made some big stink about it. And then somebody from the tour, or the production came over and they, they gave us a meal ticket and we had to give him a plate of food. So he gets the plate of food, and of course he's enormous. He could probably eat like, you know, like he could probably eat like Andre the Giant. He's so big, and the plate of food obviously wasn't suffice enough for him. So we end up giving him another plate of food to take home or take to the next town or whatever. But to me, that was like the ultimate night for me. I got to talk to the guys. I got like autographs up the yin yang, and I got to eat lunch with Kevin Nash and the Disco Inferno and and talk about how they got sipped on their payday at the pay-per-view. Like it was, it's probably the best experience I've ever had with wrestlers in, in all my years. I've, I've been a fan. That's cool. And the segue from there, segue to call it in, that in the business, you know, when talking about Hogan, um, you know, a few years back, I, I, I got to intern with uh busted open, the, the wrestling show on Sirius XM and, like they were in their, their beginning stages. Like I got to see busted open really like, it's amazing to see how big they are now. Um, while I was interning, they only had one guest. That was DDP um, that I, I got to meet DDP and I got to watch DDP put his foot over his head. And that was early on as yoga. And yeah, everyone there was like, he was like, I can put my foot over my head. And everyone's like, oh, okay. He's like, I'll show you. <laughs> like stands up and all right, cool. But like af- after I left, um, Dave LaGreca, the host of Busted Open, and, and we've remained friends. He gives me a call, and he's like, we just booked Hogan uh, to be a guest on the show. I'm like, oh. He's like, yeah, like next week, Hogan's coming in. I'm like, oh, that's, that's awesome. That's cool. He's like, yeah, you know, I know you're a big Hogan fan. I'm like, are you asking me to come to the studio? And he's like, absolutely. I'm like, yes. So I was like, I was I was brought in as like busted opens photographer. Like that's, that was my purpose for being there. And they handed me a digital camera and they said, just take pictures of, um, 
him doing the interview and everything. And, uh, you know, and he was there at Bischoff mm-hmm. and they did the interview. And, and what struck me then to your point, Dave, you know, um, and this is much Hogan was in TNA at the time, much later, obviously in Hogan's career, um, a lot of wounds, a lot of back issues, knee issues. Um, now being at Sirius XM is a surreal kind of place because you have, Sports, it's all different genres. So there's sports radio shows, wrestling, entertainment, all sorts of stuff. So when you're at SiriusXM, like there are celebrities walking in and out of places, hanging out in the lobbies, and you just like, and you kind of learn, just be cool. You just got to be cool when you see these. I remember being there once, I was sitting in the lobby, and Ron Jeremy was hammered or on stuff, and it was like, it was like noon. But and he was like stumbling through the lobby in like sweats and a t-shirt, like that. Just, just I, I think that image just just shows you how surreal an environment it was to work at SiriusXM. When Hogan was there, the place stopped, and that's what what struck me so much that when Hogan was there, people stopped what they were doing. Celebrities are always in and out, and Hogan was like shuffling. Like you could tell like every step Hogan took, he was in pain. And he went through that building and people would run out of their offices and like, Oh my God, Hulkster, can I take a picture? Sure thing, brother would stop double bicep, big smile, shake their hands and then continue to shuffle down the hallway. And he, I, I watched Hogan do that repeatedly for, and, and this wasn't an appearance. He was there to, to promote TNA. Um, he could have just done his interview and left. And he didn't. He stopped for everybody. Um, he stopped for me. We, we took a picture. He shook my hand. We exchanged pleasantries. And he, I have a WrestleMania three program that he signed for me, um, which, again, he didn't have to do for me either. And it, it just, you know, for all the things that sometimes you hear about, you know, oh, he can be this, he can be that. I just remember being so taken back by the fact that he was nice enough to stop for everybody who who wanted to take a picture, just wanted a moment with, with the Hulkster. And and to kind of what we're saying, that these were our superheroes growing up, like I never saw that with any other celebrity. I mean, they're and, – and the football players, you know, larger-than-life football players walking in and out, doing shows, like some former football players, like host shows there. It's just business as usual. Hulk Hogan's in the building. It's like, I, that deadline can wait. I need to run out of my office and, and meet Hulk Hogan. It was just very taken back by that, but he was, he was super cool. Um, and, and it was just really great, a uh, great moment. And thank you to Busted Open for uh, letting me come in and be their photographer. But uh, yeah, to meet Hulk Hogan was just phenomenal. Let me ask you, Rocky, is there anybody that you, I mean, you have, you said you haven't taken advantage of a lot of shows. Uh, a lot of like signings and, and t- is there anybody out there that like you haven't met that like if you, if you could, if you got a wish list right now and you'd get to go and, and, and meet them right now, like who would it be? That, that, that's tough because there's, you know, there are so many wrestlers uh, that I would like to meet. Uh, there are some that I think it's possible. There are some that I think it's a little bit more out of reach. Like, I'll I'll give my possible and I'll give my out of reach. My out of reach probably is going to be Dwayne the Rock Johnson. Uh, I, I, you know, the Rock right now is a man who can do no wrong. 
The, the man is... Not, nothing we're going to see him on the independent circuit anytime <laughs> yeah, soon. I'm not going to see him on the independent circuit anytime soon. The, the man is jet-setting, and I don't think the guy sleeps, for Christ's sake. I think maybe he gets two hours of sleep with the amount of stuff he does for his acting and, and whatnot. So, like, if I had the opportunity, that would probably be my, that would be my Shangri-La right there. As far as someone a little bit more attainable that I would like to meet, uh, simply due to the fact that I, I was I was a big fan of his work in ECW, and some of my some of my moveset that I do currently in the ring is kind of homage to him, and that would be Taz. Um, and I've heard that Taz is a little bit of of a rough, a rough character with fans, but honestly, I don't care. I I enjoyed him in the ring. I thought he was a great competitor, and I. It, Maybe it's silly. I drew comparisons between him and myself. You know, he was a short, he was a shorter guy in comparison to a lot of the giants in the WWE. Shorter guy from the city, had that look. And I was, I always admired his work and his judo background. Uh, I've done some judo myself. I, I utilized the, the kata hajime in my uh, in my repertoire, and that's in really an homage to him. And his radio show right now, the Taz show, I, I catch it when I can, and I think uh, it would be cool to meet Taz. How about you, Dave? Anyone you, you haven't gotten to meet that you want to? Hogan. Yeah, that's, I mean, he's, he's the end-all, be-all for me. He's what got me into wrestling. Um, I've told my wife that, you know, if he comes close to the area, you know, Connecticut, maybe even New York, that, uh, you know, we might not pay the phone bill this month, or we might not get you know the the extra extra groceries because I'm gonna I'll, I'll I'll spend I'll spend a pretty penny to uh, to uh, to meet Hulk Hogan. Uh, that's for sure. He's the one that the I mean I would have loved to have met Randy Savage when he was alive. He's also you know my all time favorite. But Hogan and uh, and Shawn Michaels. Yeah, for me, I mean The Rock's a good one, but I, for me it's Taker. I just really would just love to me, and and honestly, like I, I'll be the first to admit, I'm I'm kind of spoiled. Like I I got lucky, man. I've gotten to meet a lot of, a lot of my idols in in pro wrestling. Randy Savage is a good one. I would have loved to have been yeah. able to have met him. Um, but yeah, uh, you know, Taker's the guy that like I just uh, would love to meet him. Just especially like you know, the you know going to WrestleMania every year since 25, and and what what he's meant to mania and what he's meant to, to me as a fan, uh, seeing those, those mania matches, uh, he'd be the guy that I haven't had a chance to meet that I'd want to. And one guy I did meet, but he's going to be around if anyone's interested as, uh, as we're encouraging people and fans be a mark Tuesday, October 17th in Ridgewood, New Jersey, Mick Foley will be doing a book signing. So if you're in the, in the area of Ridgewood, New Jersey and want to meet Mick Foley, don't be afraid. Be a mark. That's, that's me on a t-shirt. <laughs> Don't be afraid. Be a mark. Um, and there you have it. You know, we had, you know, we might have to do, we're not going to do a third one in a row, but we might have to do another story time uh, down the road a piece. Cause there were some stories to get into, but um, WrestleMania story time, WrestleMania story time <laughs> as well. So a lot, lots of stuff to, to get into, but this was fun, but we'll get back to our regularly scheduled programming uh, uh, shortly, but uh, thank you all for tuning in. Hope you had a good time. I know tonight was kind of a, it's kind of a weird episode, getting some, some tragic news. Again, if, you, if you're just joining us and you haven't heard, I mean, honestly, the, the wrestling world is kind of shook by it. Um, it it's all over at this point. But uh, Bobby, Bobby the Brain Heenan has, has passed away. And uh, on, on this show, there's a consensus. Uh, 
greatest manager of all time. And Dave hit the nail on the head. I, I, I'm right there with you. Everyone else is fighting for second place. Uh, Bobby Heenan, an all-time legend, an all-time great, um, probably the most brilliant wrestling mind that there ever was. And, uh, you know, it, it, it's just it's a sad day in, in the wrestling world uh, to hear the passing of, of Bobby the Brain Heenan. But as I said earlier, and I'll say it again, get on the network, go watch some Heenan stuff, whether it's on commentary, hosting, or managing. You can't go wrong and just smile. Smile and enjoy Bobby Heenan um, because he, is one of, he was one of the all-time greats. And just sit back and enjoy his stuff. For Dave and Rocky... I'm Ken. Thank you all for tuning in tonight. Take care, everybody.